Chapter 3. Release the Dam. Commences with Malachi 3.10. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. January 2011 is a well-driven nail in the memories of people living in southeast Queensland, Australia. Weeks of drenching rainfall had turned the usually dry creek beds into muddy torrents that cut roads and gnawed mercilessly at their banks. With the landscape already totally saturated, the normally hot and dry midday of January 10 saw a volume of rainfall in some areas that meteorologists later described as a one-in-300-year event. With nature's typical ignorance of how futilely we name and describe its most destructive outbursts, physics kicked in, and the writhing torrent headed downstream, fast. Not to be outdone by the meteorologists, the media jumped into name-calling mode and described the event as an inland tsunami, a fairly apt description for the wave of water that washed away homes, farms, cars, bridges, livestock, and tragically, human lives in Toowoomba and the Lockyer Valley. The residents of Toowoomba, Murphy's Creek, Withcott, Postman's Ridge, Helladon and Grantham saw flooding like never before. In many ways, it was just another massive flood, as happens almost monthly somewhere on Earth. But when you're living directly in its path, the effects seem so much greater. Our brand new family home was uncomfortably close to the devastation, nestled beautifully in a horseshoe bend of Flagstone Creek. By mid-afternoon, the raging cappuccino of foaming floodwaters, mixed with trees, rocks, building materials and vehicles, was a frightening sight to behold from the elevated vantage point of our shed. We watched helplessly as the roaring torrent ferociously surged over its crumbling banks and washed toward our home. Fortunately, it only seeped under the doors and left little more damage than squelching carpets and muddy tiles. According to a local whose family had farmed the valley since the 1860s, it was the highest the creek had ever been, breaking even the infamous flood record of 1893. Maybe those excitable meteorologists had been telling the truth. Within the hour, an army of neighbours had arrived, mops in hand, to soothe some of our loss and to make the clean-up more of a pleasure than a chore. It was quite an experience walking into bedrooms and introducing myself to people I'd never met before as they swept, mopped and wiped our floors. The swirling madness continued downstream, and Brisbane, the river city, knew that within 48 hours, thousands of its homes would be underwater. There was only one hope, Wivenhoe Dam. After the flooding of Brisbane in 1974, the government saw the need for a massive dam that could be used as both a water storage facility and a flood mitigation system. Wivenhoe Dam, 80 kilometres, that's 50 miles, upstream from Brisbane, and twice the volume of Sydney Harbour, was opened in 1985. Finally, the city was floodproof, in a Titanic sort of way. It worked so well that in 1983, even when it was only partially completed, the dam held back a severe flood that could have caused damage in Brisbane equal to that of 1893. The idea was ingenious and simple. The dam would use its bottom 40% capacity, also known as the 100% storage level, 
for Brisbane's water storage, while the top 60%, another 150% storage, or thereabouts, would always remain empty in case it was needed to hold back floodwaters during a massive downpour. A dam with a 250% capacity sounded very big and very safe. The system continued to work exceptionally well during the 1990s and early part of the 21st century, the drought years. In fact, the drought was so prolonged that Wyvernhoe all but evaporated, and there was a serious possibility that Brisbane, a city of over a million people, could run out of drinking water. So when the deluge of late 2010 fell onto Wyvernhoe's 7,000 square kilometre, it's 2,700 square mile catchment, the dam filled rapidly and the authorities decided that the only logical thing to do was to store up as much water as possible, even more than the 100% storage level, to avoid the very recent and very expensive water shortages. By January 9, 2011, Wyvernhoe was well over its 100% storage target, still rising rapidly, and, unbeknown to its engineers, the serious rain was yet to come. When the January 10 rains hit the whole region, the Lockyer Valley creeks blasted their way directly towards Brisbane, unimpeded by any dams, and, simultaneously, the northern watercourses into Wyvernhoe roared back to life. By January 11, Wyvernhoe had passed 190% and was still rising. While white-knuckled engineers tried to forecast the precise height that the dam would reach, it rose to a critical level. The only option, to avoid a possible breach of the wall and total catastrophe, was to open its gates, all five of them, full bore. The timing couldn't have been worse. Just downstream from the dam gates, all of the Lockyer Valley floodwaters were entering the same river, heading straight towards the residents of Ipswich and Brisbane. With thousands of cubic metres of water pouring through Wyvernhoe's gates into the Brisbane River every second, and even more flowing in from the Lockyer Valley, the city could only try to brace itself for the impending devastation. The drought-breaking rains, an undeniable blessing, had swiftly become a curse. 48 hours later, on a mockingly blue-sky day, more than 33,000 family homes and businesses went underwater. In Malachi 3.10, God promises to throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. Is that always a good thing? <laughs>